Each new challenge also provides a new opportunity for us to reinvent the industry and reconsider ways in which we've done things in the past. This is why the registry continues to provide industry insights through personal interviews with the leaders who are shaping real estate each and every day. By subscribing to our podcast, you are helping us in our work, and we will continue to deliver programming such as the one you're about to hear. Please click the subscribe button and let your friends and colleagues know about us. It will help you and the industry stay ahead of the game. Rhonda Diaz is an executive vice president in the food and beverage, hospitality, entertainment, retail in JLL San Francisco office. She's a native to the San Francisco Bay Area and has a deep understanding of retail, food and beverage, urban hospitality-oriented environments, trends, and psychographics. Some of her recent high-profile assignments include Chase Arena, Piers 1.5-5, the historic Pier 70, and City Center Bishop Ranch. Mixed-use retail and hotel clients include W Hotels, Pebblebrook Hotel Group, Ritz-Carlton, and the Kimpton Hotel Group, to name a few. Her partner, James Cook, serves as the America's Director of Retail Research at JLL, based out of Indianapolis. He oversees the production of national retail research and also serves as the voice of retail research in the Midwest region. His focus includes the development and implementation of research strategy, methodology, platform deliverables, and broad sector analyses for the retail property markets in the United States, Mexico, and Canada. He creates industry-leading research and thought leadership for both owners and occupiers of retail developments. Welcome to the pod, Rhonda and James. Rhonda, James, good morning, guys. How are you? Great. Great. Happy New Year. Yeah, thank you. Where do we find you today? Where are you guys? (laughs) Working from home. <laughs> yeah, we're, right. Where where else? We're we're an opposite. Yeah. No, sort of uh, different parts of the nation. I'm uh, based out of Indianapolis, Indiana, and Rhonda, you're in a much uh, more uh, a nicer place, I think. Right? In the I, I'm Bay in area. Marin. I'm in Marin County. Yeah, Bay Area. Well, so um, well, thank you guys for taking the time to chat with us. Um, just kind of by way of, of introduction, uh, give us kind of an overview of uh, what you guys do, where you are in terms of the organization, and sort of how long how long you've been at uh, JLL. Sure, uh, I'm Rhonda Diaz Caldway. I'm executive vice president with JLL. I work in urban retail, food and beverage, and hospitality environments for landlords and tenants, and uh, and advisory services. And uh, I'm James Cook. I do. Uh, I lead retail research for North America, which is basically uh, U.S. and Canada. And uh, oh my gosh, how long have I been with JLL? I lost track. About five years, let's say. Don't don't look that up, but I th- I think that's pretty close. And uh, I'm uh, sort of tasked with looking at all of the the um, retail, the big picture retail trends um, sort of across the continent. Great. Okay. Yeah. So part of our discussion is to talk about retail and kind of get a sense of where where things are and where they're heading. Um, the fourth quarter just ended. Uh, James Arond, I know your company, obviously, like many others, produces kind of this end of year overview of the industry. Uh, tell us what what was uh, you know what was going on in 2020? Anything significant that we should that we should be aware of? 
Yeah, no, nothing at all, Vlad. Totally normal uh, year, uh, like any other. <laughs> We're still um, tallying up the damage for the fourth quarter, um, but um, you know what we've seen through the third quarter nationally uh, for retail real estate in the U.S. was was pretty negative, and it's it's a real change. I mean, I'd say for about a decade now we've had um, positive absorption. And for listeners who don't know what absorption is, it's just when space gets leased up. And as long as space is getting leased up, you have a positive number, and that means you've got a healthy real estate market. And despite the headlines, we've actually had a pretty healthy real, retail real estate market since the last recession. Um, and then this year, um, Q2 hit, and we saw the first real negative absorption that we've sure. seen. And, uh, you know, vacancies are going up um, slowly, but surely I expect more of that in the coming year. And I think rents are going down. And that's nationally. Of course, different markets are going to have, you know, different trends. Yeah, absolutely. You know, locally here in the Bay Area, um, vacancy has, is averaging out to be pretty steady when compared with last year, surprisingly enough. Now, this does not include shopping centers and... And um, and it's and this is outside the the um, Union Square core, but we are within a couple of percentage points of where we ended up last year at at four to four and a half percent, whether it be San Francisco, East Bay, North Bay, or South Bay. Um, rents sort of a tale of two cities, quite frankly, Vlad. The um, there were some rents that took a real no dive, nosedive, and then in certain neighborhoods they held steady or even went up. So yeah. um, there was not one size. Not, there was not a one size fits all answer here in the yeah, Bay Area. Yeah, it's almost like if if something is working, it's really working, right? And if it's not working, it's not working. So there's no middle ground. It sounds like. Yeah, I mean, you know, to, just to kind of sum it up, I love this word, the urban village, and, and it was really a return anywhere where there was a return to the village, uh, the community, whether that's a retail corridor within San Francisco proper um, or a, a, a vibrant com retail uh, community in one of the suburbs throughout the Bay Area. Those, um, those villages uh, are vital. And uh, I think through the pandemic, we, there was a realization that they're important. They're have an importance that's realized now more than ever. Yeah, interesting, interesting. So I, I want to take a step back and kind of um, get maybe a national perspective a little bit, and then we'll zero in on kind of the West Coast and then and then the Bay Area, James. Um, you guys uh, do these, you know, reports regularly. Um, you know, if you could kind of walk us through some of the highlights of, of the things that you usually talk through with your clients, um, you know, what, what would be those points that you would make? Yeah, I mean, typically we're going to give an update on, you know, what, you know, what we've seen most recently with sort of the national retail and retail real estate scene. Um, I mean, since the pandemic hit, um, we've had a real shift in daytime employment. So, you know, very few people working out of offices regularly now, you know, occupancy yeah. rates in places like Manhattan are just rock bottom. And that's really been a negative story then for the retailers that service those office workers. But then, you know, on the other side is the trend that, that Rhonda start was alluding to where, um, 
neighborhood retail and also suburban retail across the U.S. has been overall really strong um, with a focus on anything that's home oriented. So that might be the grocery store. Um, that could be your Target, your Walmart um, that show that sells all of the home goods in one place. And then also the home improvement stores and the furniture stores and then electronics. All of those have been outperforming this year. Um, and then the other side is, you know, casual sit down dining is cratered, gyms, yeah. theaters, department yeah. stores. So it's a funny time. I'm really looking forward to as we see this vaccine rolling out um, over the next, say, I don't know, five or six months that that we see the gradual return to things like theaters and restaurants and entertainment. Yeah, there's been kind of a confluence between retail and industrial over the last few years, and it's mainly been driven by by, by e-commerce. Uh, I would argue the last sort of twelve months have really accelerated that that trend even even more. Um, do, do you do you see your roles kind of shifting towards you know helping retailers figure out how to navigate sort of those two you know distinct in you know real estate types, but very very related ones as well? Yeah, I mean, my cert certainly I've had to become much more of an ex expert in, in e-commerce, not just in the last year, but probably in the last five years or so. Um, we take this, you know, and I'm sure Rhonda can speak to this too, but you got to take this omni-channel approach to your retail location with the understanding that you're not just going to be selling to passers-by, but you're also probably going to be doing some kind of curbside pickup. You're going to be doing ship from store. Um, now we often have um, in-store associates also being digital associates right. and assisting customers all around the world. So um, you not only have to now um, hire somebody who's good in person, but can also uh, type a good instant message online. So there's a lot of new things to think about. Interesting. Interesting. And then from a geographic point of view, what, what are you seeing? Are, are you seeing, you know, distinct areas of the country maybe doing a little bit better? Um, you mentioned, you know, New York. I My understanding is San Francisco is very similar. It's just sort of hollowed out for the most part. But, you know, are other cities that are maybe not as, you know, densely populated, on the retail side doing a little bit better. Uh, what, what's your sense of that? Yeah, I mean, when you're looking at retail, if it is a what you'd think of as more of a suburban sprawling type city, with the exception of Southern California, because that's been so locked down. Yeah. But places, you know, Dallas, Houston, um, cities in Florida, in the Midwest, where I'm based with the exception of Chicago. Um, yeah, anything that's got a suburban Look at it this way. If you've got ample parking and uh, you're near where people live, um, you're probably going to be okay as long as you're offering essential items. The the exception for that really, you know, apparel retail just yeah. been really, really hurt this year. Yeah. Um, some of the trends that we've seen emerge obviously has been, you know, pickup dining and, you know, same time delivery with you know, companies like Instagram and DoorDash and that kind of stuff. How do you see retailers thinking about strategically integrating those into their offerings? Whether, whether yeah, it's in it, a physical a a aspect, meaning, you know, providing more curbside parking for stuff like that, or uh, how, how, is that, how is that playing itself out? 
Yeah, I mean, instantly every restaurant that wasn't already doing it was getting on DoorDash or, or Instacart or Grubhub. And uh, you've got to dedicate space uh, in, your, in your restaurant to fulfilling those. You've got to have the technology available. Um, the downside, though, with all of those is they charge a real premium to be on those services. Right. Um, I'm sure you've probably talked about this before, Vlad, but you know, it could be as much as 20 or 30% of the order is going to the platform. Um, so much tougher to make a profit on, on those deliveries. I don't know. Rhonda, have you interacted with any of your clients who've had to deal with that situation? Yeah, absolutely. Well, this was a shift. We've, this has been talked about before. This, the pandemic accelerated many shifts that were already happening. And out here on the West Coast, we were, we were already seeing this happening. Um, the smaller dining rooms, bigger kitchens, um, figuring out ways to deliver more. There were many out here that were already experimenting with having yeah. their own delivery services because they saw this trend already happening. And of course, the, the pandemic accelerated it. Uh, DoorDash has taken off, but we are now seeing a reversion back to how can I do this myself? We'll handle it ourselves. It's a whole new line of business, but it is, um, it, it's a path of change and staying in business means you're profitable and embracing the change, yeah. not fighting it. Rhonda, um, when, when you and I first met, it was when we were just starting the registry. And I remember uh, doing, doing an article with you and you and I uh, actually came up for a little photo shoot out on, you know, Union, <laughs> Union Square <laughs> long, long time, time ago. <laughs> I yeah. remember that. <laughs> um, what does Union Square look like today? What is the future of a place like that in a, in a city like, like San Francisco? Can we talk about something else? Uh, we I'm can. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I'm teasing. You know, they, the, um, all, all metropolitan cities are dependent on tourism and daytime populations. Um, so that those things need to retur return, uh, not only for San Francisco, but for every major uh, metropolitan city throughout the country. Um, San Francisco in particular is uh, implementing things to clean up some of the things that were unique to Union Square such as the crime and the homelessness that was, again, pre-pandemic, sure. was already keeping people and retailers away. So uh, with this stark reality of how, how essential um, the area of Union Square is to our Bay Area economy, that, that yeah. will happen. Wouldn't you say, though, yeah, I would, just, I would just add, I think the real indicator for the future of places like Union Square and you know Times Square in New York is just the return to tourism, because I would say that most tourists go to Union Square, right? <laughs> on their, at least on their first trip. So the fact that we have little tourism is really what's what's probably hurting that that market more than anything else. Yeah. To, to your point, James. Yes, absolutely. Once it's tourism that drives areas, major uh, metropolitan shopping areas like yeah. Union Square, and the, the 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 story of who's on those streets will change. Um, just as retail is changing, uh, what the consumer is demanding, uh, less stuff, more experiences, more things for the home. Um, it really became apparent how much stuff you, you need and you don't need when you stay yeah. home this long. Uh, less of a slave to fashion trends and more of the essentials and things you really value. 
which I think is interesting because just two blocks away from Union Square is that big shopping center that um, the IKEA, uh, the company that owns IKEA, you know, purchase, and they own they own kind of a slew of shopping centers throughout throughout Europe and you know the rest of the world, and they bought this um, project you know, last year, sort of during the middle of the pandemic. And, and it was um, interesting that they did so. And they're obviously, you know, optimistic about it, right? Do you know anything about, you know, what, what they're attempting to do? Um, I know there are shopping centers in other countries. I know it's a, it's, it's, it's a mix of retailers, not just IKEA. In some cases, it is IKEA. Uh, but what, what have you heard that, that they're trying to accomplish there? Because I think that's sort of an innovative way of kind of looking at at that location in uh, San Francisco. Absolutely. You know, pre-pandemic, IKEA was looking in the city for quite a while and really evaluating, do we want to roll out a new urban, smaller urban format or uh, our mother, mothership yeah. flagships? So you think about it, um, the, the, some of the categories that James and I have been talking about <clears throat> that really accelerated with the pandemic, home furnishings, discount, that's IKEA. Right. And then uh, and then I imagine associated with that other services and products that are kind of necessity buys potentially, right? Affordable luxury. Yeah. That's IKEA. Yeah, yeah. So um in, in terms of kind of how you know the uh San Francisco Bay Area has different, uh, you know, clusters, I would argue, of, um, um, you know, retail. H- how would you then categorize, you know, how those are, you know, performing, right? So, you know, Main Street versus off Main Street, um, high-end retail versus versus others. Uh, give us a little bit of a sense of how you would, you know, inform, um, you know, folks interested in maybe doing something in, in the Bay Area where, where they should consider and how they should consider that. I, I think you, we follow the in retail, we follow the consumer and consumers are spending more on homes and less on wardrobes. So there'll be a continued attention to home improvement, home offices, home gyms, uh, art and furniture. The design industry has, has gone crazy. Home sales right. are way up throughout the Bay Area um, as is home improvement. And I think you're seeing that uh, those same trends nationally. James, how, how about you from a, from a national point of view? Um, you know, what, what are some of these big trends that, that you think are going to be driving, you know, developers and investors into, into the sector? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, from an investment standpoint, I think what's appealing right now is those, those kinds of retailers that have been, you know, deemed essential and uh, are also sort of suburban. So, the places that people are uh, selling the things that people are buying right now. So that might be grocery anchored centers, um, especially in higher dense uh, density, you know, inner loop suburban markets, um, you know, a triple net leased uh, drugstore, great investment right now, things like that. People, things that, you know, people are, are going to be purchasing. Um, there's a lot of anxiety or I don't know if anxiety is the right word, but there's a big question about the future of the mall. I'm, I'm pretty bullish on our, on our A and B malls or our good malls across the nation, but there's a, yeah. there's a big question about malls right now. So those investors are not flocking to them at, at the moment. Yeah. Same thing with urban retail. Again, uh, urban retail, all it needs is office workers and tourists to come back, which will happen. And when that happens, uh, I, you know, if you can afford it, now's the time to get in before that does happen. 
Yeah. Are you guys noticing any alternative uses kind of beginning to coming to into the retail spaces? And what, what are some of those things that you're seeing both in the Bay Area, but also throughout the country? Yeah, from a from a national perspective, I mean, especially if you're talking about malls, you do have um, some malls that, you know, a lot of times malls were built where there were other malls because I don't know, they thought the more the merrier or something. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, now we have more more malls that we need, and a lot of them are finding interesting adaptive reuses. Um, office space. Uh, Google is opening uh, new offices in a former Westfield Mall in Southern California. Okay. Um, there is a mall in Alexandria, Virginia, that's about to become a medical center. Um, Epic Games that makes Fortnite just bought a mall for their new headquarters in North Carolina. Yep. Yeah, we just saw that this week. Yeah. So, I mean, it's the, the thing is, malls are great real estate and they're kind of cool buildings too. So, you know, one option is to take an anchor and turn it into your company's new headquarters and then use some of that other for, you know, different uses, some of it retail, some of it, you know, daily needs. Yeah. Rhonda, what are, what about you? Are you seeing similar stuff in throughout the Bay Area? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, there's a real look at, um, you, you talk about the return to the office and so on, and it, that'll find its balance out here in the Bay Area. Of course, we embrace technology a lot, and there are many that were already digital nomads or working from home. But, you know, the the, the effect on the environment, uh, just reevaluating the whole commute and the necessity of, of going to that office, the environment, where your time is spent, your health. Um, Long commutes do not positively support many of those things. Uh, so this this will balance itself out. Um, and this will, and when it does, it'll affect retail corridors and shopping habits. And we wrote, you know, the pandemic has forced a lot of people to work from home, which is why the suburbs and the flight to the suburbs yeah. in many areas and the 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 relative health, despite the the um shelter in place orders, the relative health of uh, retail corridors with even within cities um, has stayed steady and, and grown. Um, the, the balance of our commuting habits and necessity to fly uh, or to flight into a city to work versus um, our time, our physical and mental health and, um, and the environment. Um, those are those are going to be interesting yeah. things that'll play out, you know. But physical physical retail will of course return. I mean, there's no putting the online genie back in the bottle. Um, but we need to get out. There's a realization that you know retail uh, real estate is is much more than just buying and selling. It's a place to meet, to chat, to people watch, um, to discover things and uh, initiate yeah. new ideas. So that's that's part of our human spirit. And and we are eager to get back to yeah, it. Yeah, I know I am. <laughs> yeah. Um, this, one of the kind of, you know, maybe not obvious uses for, you know, retail has been uh, what, you know, Tesla has been doing, for instance, right? They've been putting their, you know, car stores, if you will, inside a mall, right? That was sort of unheard of prior to that. Um, Amazon is sort of exploring with some retail spaces also. Um, are, are you noticing kind of some innovation like that that maybe wasn't earlier uh, 
wasn't part of retail prior to kind of the pandemic, but now others might sort of follow. You know, do you think a Mercedes might have a store in the in the shopping mall going forward um, next to Tesla? Um, you know, th- things like that. Are, are are you noticing trends of uh, innovation? Absolutely. There's many uh, electric bike, um, electric scooters, and other electric cars. Uh, I think Lucid is being quite active in the Bay Area and signed at several locations. So, um, yes, is yeah. the short answer. And, you know, that's, that's the beauty. And in many downturns, there's uh, rethinking, thinking outside the box. There's so many, um, God bless the entrepreneur, there's so many new concepts that have been born and uh, we are we are hoping yeah. to announce soon. Yeah. Uh, are you noticing um, a flight to quality? Meaning are, you know, retailers who were maybe in a B center or a C center prior, now they're sort of looking in a, as an opportunity to go into a, you know, higher end center because uh, they can pricing wise? Yeah, I think some of that is the um, the availability and maybe the openness to a short-term deal um, as we get through this, an 18-month to 24-month deal, which may not have been available before, or uh, many pandemic um, uh, deals have been structured with a period of 18 months to 24 months at a lower rent or a percentage rent only, and that gives a a retailer committing to a higher rent in the future, but also having a period to test their product at this A center versus uh, to B or C center, maybe where there was a more affordable rent. And that was the only reason yeah, we were there. Yeah. James, are you seeing that also across the country? One thing I think what I've been hearing about is mall-based retailers talking or thinking about going to open air centers because um, that's where the people mm. are at right now. Um yeah, but it's been mostly talk. I'm trying to think of a, an example of somebody actually pulling the trigger on it, and I'm, I'm blanking. Um, yeah, it's it's, from my mind, it's a little short sighted. I think if you're in a class A center, um, it, it'd be a shame to to lose that position. Yeah, are are tenants exploring uh, doing shorter leases? Also, certainly on the office side, that seems to be something that that they're all kind of looking at. But on on you know the retail side, are you noticing uh, tenants exploring doing that and kind of pushing some of the terms that maybe prior to the pandemic weren't uh, as as acceptable to the landlords? Yeah, I mean Rhonda's probably got a lot more combat experience around this than I do. But nationally, I mean, the leases are shorter, uh, you know. Um, Rhonda, what are you seeing in the Bay Area? Yeah, one would think that those would be the things that we would see. There's an expectation that the rents are 50%, 75% off. And those have been interesting calls to yield. But that that is not the case. So, at, but rents have, um, maybe the incentives yeah. are more aggressive, the initial terms are more aggressive. And for that reason, we are finding folks wanting to do longer term leases, um, viewing this as a period of time where maybe they would not uh, be able to get those sort of terms and five years believing uh, in our return of our economy and 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 uh, and so on. That they, these are terms they'll never see again. So, in some strange ways, it's it's the opposite. 
uh, wanting to lock in these good terms. It's not just about rent. It's about yeah, a whole bunch yeah. of other things um, and have them for longer period of times. They're, you know, retailers that are confident, have, uh, have financial strength um, and are on trend with this new world that we're, we're approaching. Uh, there's a, there's a love, high level of confidence and commitment to retail real estate. So as you guys look into 2021 and further, um, what worries you? What excites you? Well, from a from a national standpoint, okay, what worries me? I think it's the I am most worried about what the vaccine rollout looks like. Um, I'm used to, you know, I work with closely with an economist and we're always modeling what the what the retail sales are going to be and and what vacancy and rents are going to be and it's always based on um, different economic inputs. And this is the first time I've ever had a health input to try to guess about the future of. And it's just, you know, I feel cautiously optimistic about the rollout of a vaccine, but that's really, yeah, that's going to be the one indicator that's going to help, um, you know, not just with urban retail um, and tourism and hotels and office real estate. It's going to, yeah, it's going to help with all of those. Um, but I mean, we've certainly had an e-commerce boom this year and we've sort of reached a new plateau in e-commerce. And I don't think we're going to lose all of that, but I do think it'll shrink a little yeah. bit in the coming year as people get out of the house a little more for shopping. Yeah, I, you know, I agree with you, James, on you know, the, the worry about um, how the cities that are, are so dependent on tourism and daytime population will adapt coming out of this, um, the urban cores will, especially the CBDs, office CBDs will most likely have much less foot traffic over time and will certainly need to um, adapt to the new habits. Um, what excites me are the new ideas, the realization of the cause and effect of all of the things that we've seen that cause some of the uh, things we have suffered through with the pandemic and the cascading effect you know, we, but what excites me is that it's essential that we have places where we can connect with our local products and find markets for our local entrepreneurs and um, homegrown things. And that there's a lot of room for independent commerce uh, rather than the predictable assortments of signage that we've, we've seen. So that's, there's a lot of new ideas that uh, are on the horizon and that's pretty exciting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Are there examples of certain retailers who are doing something really innovative that you've seen out there that you like to highlight that's you know really exemplary in terms of how they've adapted to the new environment? From a from a national perspective, I mean the retailers that were already investing in omnichannel, you know, click and collect and and selling online and having that fully integrated with their stores. Um, they have been the best positioned for 2020 and the first half of 2021, no doubt. So Walmart, Target, Kroger, uh, Best Buy has really done a great job with that. There's, there's a bunch of others too. Yep. And then there's also, um, you know, a lot of local um, small business retailers that very quickly kind of pivoted, maybe they opened a Shopify store, you know, maybe they started offering new services, new Zoom classes. I don't, I don't know, Rhonda, if you've got local examples that, that you were interested in highlighting. The, well, for Zoom classes, uh, 
whether it's workouts or um, traveling to another country, okay, um, <laughs> being on site for a safari. I did this one really exciting thing, uh, sake tasting, where we were actually live streaming from a Japanese sake temple um, and, and then buying the product. Um, so the the um, it'll be interesting, you know, on the home gym, going back to the Zoom workouts, I mean, those will stay and many um, workout facilities will probably convert to uh, at yeah. home equipment. Yeah. So that there's again, that's a that's an adaptation to the new consumer demand. You know, the food industry, um, again, was already making some shifts and changes and the continuation of uh, of drive throughs curbside pickup, mm -hmm. ghost kitchens, more efficient labor models. There are some this past year in the, in the food industry who were takeout and delivery only, and they were more profitable than uh, years before. And they were very successful years yeah. before. So, you know, that whole learning curve of how do we adapt to servicing our customer and maintaining the, the uh, enhanced profitability um, it's changing how, how they yeah. use real estate. And it sounds like as long as you're not sitting there waiting for things to get better, you're, <laughs> you have to innovate essentially, right? This is really a time to innovate for, for everybody, not, not just for the food folks, but everybody in general and certainly retail. Um, great. Um, well, I'd like to, uh, you know, usually I close my interviews with kind of a, you know, message of hope and what, what gives you hope. So I'd like to ask you guys, uh, to tell me about that. Uh, what, what gives you guys hope as you, looking to the new year and, and beyond. Well, I'll tell I'll tell, I'll start. Um, I, you know, first off, uh, I'm looking at our numbers for holiday retail and, uh, they were, um, about so far the MasterCard data that I've seen, it's about 2% over last year, which considering the not so year that we had is great. I'm very happy <laughs> with, yeah. with 2%. Um, and so I am hopeful, you know, I hear all the news that I hear about um, what our medical professionals are doing with the vaccine rollout. That makes me very hopeful. Um, I, yeah, I, I feel good. I'm cautiously optimistic about the spring and summer and fall. And uh, I'm crossing my fingers. I'm going to, I'm going to do some work trips, uh, and some retail research out in the real world, maybe, uh, as the year, you know, in the second half of the year. Good for you, James. <laughs> um, I, I'll, I'm going to join with you in that travel wish. <laughs> the, um, you know, what gives me hope is the, is the human spirit that has come through the innovation, the, the creativity, the resilience, the, the, on the retail real estate front, not only the new concepts and the adaptation, but the embracing of even deeper things, such as uh, caring for our environment. How can we do that in our retail projects? How can we do that in our retail store? Um, social equity, involving the community, creating a spirit and a soul. Those are beautiful things to see. And uh, again, the, the great my great hope is is. Uh, that continued belief in, in the in the beauty of the great human yeah, spirit. Great. Well, thank you both for your feedback and uh, industry insights. Uh, stay safe, and uh, you know, let's hope we have a we have, we have a great update on the retail industry in you know 
middle of the year. Thanks. And hey, before we go, real quick plug uh, for those interested in learning more about um, national retail uh, real estate trends, uh, check out our podcast. It's called Where We Buy. Awesome. Thank you. And that can be and that can be found, uh, James, anywhere where you can download a podcast, yep, right? Or, all the, all the yep, platforms. Or at wherewebuy.show. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having us, Vlad. Thanks, guys.